You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Excited to be able to uh, spend a little time behind this pulpit and share with you what I feel, uh, what I feel the Lord laid into my heart for this night. And uh, I just give honor to the youth committee. I give honor to Brother Matt and Patricia, Braden and Janelle. I was his youth pastor. And Temperance Fair was a first and last youth group I ever pastored. I love you, Brayden <laughs> and Janelle. What outstanding leadership to have this fine, outstanding, godly couple at the helm. And uh, I can just echo the, the comments of those who stood before you tonight. I just feel so comfortable and confident that uh, they have an ear for the things of God and an eye for the things of God. And we are in great hands. And uh, it's just good to be behind this pulpit. Pastor Carter, give you honor tonight. This is your home church. This is your pulpit. And you are our bishop and superintendent. And we honor you tonight. Let's give our superintendent and his good wife. Amen. We appreciate them so very much. Thankful that uh, we have the leadership that we do. All you pastors, youth pastors, any youth pastors here? Well, my. Anyone, like, persuaded to come against your own will? No? It's good to have you here. And uh, I think I think I seen in the gas station that, like, Rain and Monster and Red Bull are, like, two for five. So you can probably run down and grab one of those before you go slip a disc at the Oasis down there and jump around for a while. <laughs> Amen. But it's good to be in God's house. And uh, I, I do believe the Lord's going to challenge us with the word tonight. Luke chapter 21 and verse 28. Luke 21 and verse 28. It's just good to see so many familiar faces and friends and uh, love each and every one of you. Um, Luke 21 and uh, verse uh, 28. Just going to read one verse of scripture. And you may wonder why I'm pulling from this, but it'll make a little bit more sense as we get through it. Uh, this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking in, you know, in reference to end times and uh, things that will happen, things for the disciples and readers to take note of, to be aware of, signs of his return. Now, I'll just say this from the outset. I believe the Lord's returning. I don't, I don't think that's an outdated statement to make. The Lord is returning. I feel the witness in the Spirit just saying that. Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus says, so when all these things begin to happen, he says, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Jesus said, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And with the help of the Spirit of God tonight, for the next few minutes, I want to preach to you from this title. When was the last time you looked up? 
when was the last time you looked up? Would you put your Bibles down or your digital Bible down or whatever you're reading the Bible on, put it down and raise your hands with me right now and ask the Lord to speak to you, all right? Make that a specific prayer for you. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, open my ears, open my eyes. Let something that is said tonight, God, penetrate my soul. Let it change me. God, do not let it be anything superficial. Let it be something supernatural. Let it be something, God, that shapes the way I think from now on. Let it be life-changing, course-correcting. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, all these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, I'm going to ask a very, I was told in school there's no such thing as a stupid question. I was told that a lot. Uh, I was told that a lot. No such thing as a stupid question, but here's a stupid question. Maybe not. Does anybody in the room have a cell phone? Hey, put it up in the air. Wave it like you just don't care. Show them what you've got a, a cell. There you go. My, my, my. Some of you older parents, like, I'm not going to give in. I don't have a cell phone. Or you have one, like, I'm not going to tell my youth group that I have a cell phone. Everybody, everybody has a cell phone. Anybody exchange numbers yet? It's a little early, isn't it? You wait to get jumping on the trampoline for a while, get your courage up. You know, chilling by the water fountain. Can I get your number? Or maybe you'll just text it. Can I get your number somehow? but I'm creepy, and I know your number already. <laughs> tech. Everybody's got tech, phone, something crazy like that. I remember my first cell phone. Um, it was interesting. It was a flip phone. Woo. All right, it was a Samsung flip phone. It was silver, and it had a panda that hardly moved. It just did this. Walked across the screen. That It was amazing, and then it, it, was, it wasn't color. It was just, well, I don't know what you call that kind of screen, but it wasn't a color screen. It was just this panda moving back and forth. And I'm like, look at my, it had an antenna. You could pull the antenna out. Real cool. Everybody, you know, at some point in your life, and it usually starts young. I have an 11-year-old turning 12, uh, and, you know, it's already on the, it's already in the conversations, you know. What am I, you know, a phone. I'm like, I rebuke that request in Jesus' name. A recent study found that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone, ready for it, 2,617 times per day. Each user is on his or her phone for two and a half hours over 76 sessions. Well, that'll make it quiet real quick, won't it? If you grow dependent on your smartphone, it's be, it becomes this like magical device that silently shouts your name and you just reach for it for some weird reason. Ever do that? Yeah, you've probably done that. Oh, did that was on my phone? Oh, no. Whew. I thought my phone vibrated. Some of you people are like tech psychos, though. 
You got thunder thumbs, man. You're just pop, 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 pop. You're banging. I remember this one lady, man, she was banging the life out of her screen with her thumbs, and she was like, she looked so mad. I felt bad for the person who was getting the text. Because she's like walking, like straight ahead to the hospital, like just somehow dodging people in beds, but she was not having it. She was just bang, bang, bang. And she, you could tell she was just texting intently. We have any textures like that? When you text a message, you give the person 30 seconds, and you text them again. Did you get that? You people freak me out. Did you get my text? Then you start talking in emojis. You're like emoji ninjas. You start whipping out these faces to communicate how you feel. And then you throw all kinds of weird things at people. And it's like this whole language without using words. Anybody texting emojis? All right. I'll read in there. All right, good. All on the phone. You guys have phones. And I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. But that's just our phone. Your phone is like this next, it's an appendage. It's attached to you. You, you don't want to live without it. You, your parents, they don't want to spank you now. They want to get rid of your phone. Because that sends you over the top and into the ceiling because you just have to have the phone. But that's just your phone. Then there's like posting on social media, checking email, looking up the weather. For some reason, we love to look up the weather every 50 minutes. Still going to rain tomorrow. Hour later, up, oh, still gonna rain. Gonna rain. Those stats of just the phone use, they don't even come close to touching internet use, much less the five headed, fire breathing dragon called Netflix. Oh, feel the conviction in the room. We could probably come back right now, Sister Powell, and be. We are. You know, CEO Reed Hastings of Netflix, he, qu he was quoted saying, there are only a certain amount of hours which humans can tend to activities. And Netflix's goal is to occupy those moments and deliver the utmost joy to the consumer during that opportunity. You get a show or a movie you're really dying to watch? No one wants to put their hand up. God, let conviction fall. You get a show or a movie you're really dying to watch, and you end up staying up late at night, so we actually only complete, compete with sleep, said the CEO. His number one competitor is not Crave or HBO. His number one competitor is sleep. And to that, he says, and we are winning. Now, that's funny, but that's a startling reality. So much time lost in a black hole. Psychologists make the point that the vast majority of people's relationships to their phones and their tech fall under at least the category of extreme compulsion. We have to check the last text, click on Instagram, chase after the notification, check the email. Psychologists say most of us are well past compulsion and we are living in full-blown addiction. If you're getting uncomfortable, welcome to how I feel. Tony Schwartz said in his opinion piece of the New York Times, addiction is a relentless pull to a substance or an activity that becomes so compulsive, it ultimately interferes with everyday life. And by that definition, he says, nearly everyone I know 
is addicted to some way to the internet. There's a famous quote, and I love it. It's from a, an author named John Ortberg. And he says this. For many of us, the danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Anybody play video games? I promise I'm not here by your parents' request to beat you up on this stuff. I promise you. <laughs> Philip Zimbardo's event, his research on the demise of guys, which addresses the crisis of masculinity in Western culture, has concluded that the average guy spends 10,000 hours playing video games before he hits 22. 10,000 hours. With 10,000 hours, you could master any craft and become an expert in any field. You could get your bachelor's degree or your master's degree, learn the violin, be a computer programmer on the same level as Bill Gates, or you could memorize the New Testament, or you could beat level four of Call of Duty, or be the last man standing on a Fortnite thing. Or smash the next TikTok video. We spend on average 705 hours a year on social media and on TV, 2,737.5 hours. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Perspective. Instead of one hour on social media or TV before bed, you could read the entire Bible through in six months. Here is a point that I want to bring across to all of us here this evening. And I want us to hear it loudly and clearly. It's not profound. It's probably something you've seen coming. When it comes to the things of God, and it comes to our most important responsibility as a created being, our relationship with Jesus, we have more than enough time to give our relationship to Jesus Christ the attention it deserves. We do have time to pray. We do have time to read our Bibles. We do have time to go to church. You do have time to watch online church. You do have time to teach a Bible study. You do have time to go into your high school and be a witness. You have so much time. Let's all clap our hands unto the Lord right now. You have so much time. Charles Shue made this raw comment. We all have what we need. And this is what frustrates my own life as a Christian. We have all the things that we need. The scary part and the part we all ignore is that we are too addicted, too weak, too distracted to do what we all know is important. We're just simply too distracted. So I ask a question to you, this generation, this incredible group of apostolics, people watching online, if you're still watching. What is it right now that you're giving your attention to the most? 
What is the thing right now that you are surrendering the bulk of your time to? What is it that makes you in the middle of this sermon want to pick up your phone and check? I won't ask this question. How many have you checked your phones during this sermon? What is it in this moment of time that you are giving your attention to? Jesus makes this statement in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that, dark, that darkness is. In this passage of Scripture, light and darkness are used as simple metaphors to reveal a person's spiritual condition, all based upon the premise of what you let into your eye and into your soul bears great relevance to the condition of your soul. Is this all right? What you feed your mind is certainly going to feed your soul and feed your spirit. So what is it in this moment that you are just consumed with? What you let in leaves an impression. And who you let into your life leaves an impression. So I encourage you to keep your circle of influence small and tight and really pure. To say that the devil is in everything is an overstatement. To say he can't influence anything or everything is a major understatement. We need to discern what it is tonight, everybody, we're giving our attention to. With every passing hour we spend immersed in our culture without filtering life through Jesus and his word, our lives are slowly being sculpted and formed into an identity that's being handed to us. Our morality is being decided by the masses and the majority, and in turn, it's eroding our drive for real relationship with Jesus. So I ask you again, where is your attention and what are you looking at? Because in this moment, in this church, in this, in this time that we live, hell and heaven are in a battle for one thing for you, and that is influence. They want influence over you because neither one can control you. They just simply want to influence you so you'll follow the one who gains the most influence. Don't underestimate the power of influence. Because when you give your attention to something, you will in turn open your life to receive influence from it. And once you've received this influence, you begin to conform. The goal of Satan, and I feel this in my spirit tonight, the goal of our adversary, Satan, is to simply distract you. It's, it's a simple strategy. Distract you with what you already have in your hand. You don't have to wonder where will my distraction come from. You put it in your pocket every day. He simply wants to distract you so he can numb your spirit, hypnotize you, and do what he ultimately wants is to consume two parts of you, your eyes and your ears. Because in this game of influence, the one who has the eye and the ear is the one who has the most influence over you. What you watch and what you listen to is what you're influenced by. 
The devil wants simply this. I told Brayden, I said, man, they're not going to be running and hanging off the speakers tonight, okay? But the devil wants your eye, and he wants your ear. He wants your life surrounded by the noise of stuff that doesn't really matter. So he can keep you from the things of your life that truly matter. He wants your attention. Because whoever controls the ear, whoever controls the eye, has the greatest influence. Because it's not until you give God your eyes, and you look to him, and you give him your ears, and you listen to him, that you'll ever have a voice in the kingdom of God. Where's the quiet place you have with God? Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 and 27. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Everybody okay? You don't hate me now? Had you laughing at the beginning. Now you're like, you're sharpening some weird thing to kill me after church. Don't text me. I don't read them half the time anyway. So actually text me. I, I annoy people sometimes because I take like three days to get back to them. I don't say I take pleasure in that, but, well, a couple people I get back to immediately. Verse 26, 27, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is in secret will be made known to all. And Jesus drops this, what I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when the daybreak comes. What I Whisper. Someone say whisper. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Jesus, Jesus wants to get really close to you so he can whisper into your spirit and into your ear what he needs and has for you and the relationship he wants to establish with you. It's not something that the Lord's going to stand a hundred feet away and start screaming at you. No, it's a relationship of nearness and quiet. It's a spot where you and Jesus go and he can talk to you. This doesn't sound very fun, does it? But it's where the rubber meets the road. You Listen, I'm glad... I'm glad you danced around here tonight and had a great time in the spirit. But where the real reality sets in is where's your quiet place? Where's your quiet place? I remember it, it was years ago. I was still on the youth committee. I think I was youth president. I don't know. Those years were a blur to me half the time. And I remember praying at home when I was in temperance fail saying, God, I really want my generation, the students that we're privileged to lead, I want them to have a, a voice for you. And as quickly as I prayed that prayer, and as clearly as God's ever spoke to me, the Lord spoke back to my heart and said, this generation will not have a voice unless it first gets an ear. So before you're worried about what you're going to say, you should be worried about what you're going to hear from God first. Can I tell somebody, it is the most inspirational thing you can do that when you have a quiet, dark place that you and Jesus go to and you talk to him and he talks to you and your life makes more sense and purpose becomes real and his precepts are pure and you know who you are and Jesus speaks to you in the quiet place of your life. But the problem is we don't have a quiet place. 
how can you have a quiet place when that's right beside you? How can you read your Bible on your phone when you're interrupted by text and notifications? How can you have an ear for God when the enemy is trying to throw every distraction in your spirit to make you not hear from God? Can we raise our hands together? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where's your quiet place? Where are you looking? Where are you looking? What do you see? Where, where, is, your, where is your focus? Are you addicted to your phone? Are you? Do you have an issue with internet consumption? Where? Where are you at? Where's your quiet place? David said it best when he said, He who dwells and lives in the secret place. The secret place, not the loud place. The secret place, the quiet place. The Most High. You're going to live in the shadow of the Almighty. Why? Why does all this even matter? Why, do, why talk about quieting your life down and monitoring what you're... I'm not your parents. You're like, thank goodness you're not my parent. Why, why step away from distractions? Why is that important? Because I, I mentioned in the beginning of my sermon that I fully believe in the statement that the Lord's returning. I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return for his church. And a great number of people are going to miss that for one reason. They're just too distracted to notice what's going on. And you've been lulled to sleep by so many influences that appease your flesh. But you sometimes feel okay when you're in church and you feel the Holy Ghost move. But when you go home, it's the same old numbing effect. Pulsating with every new game you play, every new text you send, every new app you download. Every, it just becomes this violent circle numbing you to this approaching day that Jesus is returning. Where are you? When was the last time? You know what? Sometimes I say to my kids, you've not looked up from that thing for an hour. Have you heard that before? Thank you, young lady. You're honest. Have you ever heard, man, what, they've not even looked up. They've been so focused. When was the last time you looked up and seen what was around you? You've seen people, I mean, my wife and I were out for a date the other night, and we looked over, no word of a lie, each, this couple, I hope they were texting each other, but they had this, their phone up against their water glasses on opposing sides, and they were watching something. I love you, but this is really cool. You should see this guy break his leg on the skateboard. Sounds ridiculous. But it's amazing how something so minor and so distracting can pull us away from the things we're supposed to love. For some weird reason, we're attached to this idea that it's going to give us what we need, but it's just a numbing distraction to keep you from the real thing you really need. And that's relationship. This can never replace 
relationship. And it can never replace your God. You can come back to the music. Why does this matter? I'm going to wrap it up quick because, well, we're at that point, I guess. I believe it matters because Jesus Christ is coming so soon. You may say, man, I heard that so many times. You know what? One time I was flying back. I forget where I was. But I'm just, I hate planes, just FYI. My wife is like loving it. I'm like, give me the barf bag. I don't want to be on this thing right now. And we're on this plane, and we're, we're getting ready to take off, and the lady's up there. She's doing her thing, you know. She's telling you in case the plane goes down, because you want to hear that, right, in case you're floating in the Atlantic is what you're supposed to do. You know, you know, put this over your face and hug that thing, and don't cry mama. Just make sure you're staying. And she's going through the spiel of safety concerns that, you know what, in the event that the plane might go down, these are important things for you to understand. And I remember hearing the girl behind me. She's just yapping, man. She would not shut up. Yap, 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 yap. And this is what she said. I've heard this so many times. I've just stopped listening. Be it far from any of us. Be it far from any of us. That we sit in a church and got hurt so many times. I've just got to stop listening. Because this isn't a plane that might go down. This is a generation that will wrap up and be raptured. There's no might about this at all. It's a certain thing. Jesus, my God. I hope you feel my heart. When Jesus, Jesus says this in Matthew 24, verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People, this is scary, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And then Jesus drives this home with this truth. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. What happened with banquets and parties and weddings? They were just completely distracted. Let's all stand. Everything else had their attention except what was important. The enemy's goal is for to do one thing and one thing only. Keep your eyes from looking up. When was the last time you looked up? What, what, what do I mean when I say that? When was the last time you really thought about eternity? When was the last time you processed your relationship with Jesus for what it really should be is a relationship with Jesus? When was the last time you actually took the power button and flicked it off on your device and you turned everything off and you spent time with Jesus? When was the last time you looked up? Because apparently where we look in the last days to Jesus, it matters. He told his disciples, when you hear all these things happening and you're paying attention to the environment of culture and the environment of the world, Jesus said this, you need to stand and you need to look up.
Because if not, you might miss it. You just might be distracted. So I ask you tonight, in the Holy Ghost, in this atmosphere where I feel the Lord speaking to us, when was the last time you looked into Jesus' eyes and said, I just want you? When was the last time nothing else mattered to you? Come on. Come on. I'm being real here. All right. It was the last time you just shut everything down and said, no, Jesus, right now, you are all that matters for me. Because when you process that truth in your mind, I'm going to make sure that I process that Jesus is all that matters. It will be the thing that grounds you because life is going to give you battle scars and there are things going to happen to you and there will be things that you never wished were imaginable take place in your life and you wonder how you're going to get through. It's because you just kept looking up. Right now in this moment, this quiet, deep moment, I wonder if you can raise your hands. The Holy Ghost, Jesus. Don't matter who's beside you. Come on matter anything that the devil tries to toss in your mind to get you distracted. Don't, don't worry about it. If you got to shut off something, shut it off. But there is a one-on-one right now from heaven to you and I that Jesus, he wants you to look up. He wants you to come to a quiet place with him. He wants the noise to be shut off and the, the ear pods to be left out of the room and the phone not to be turned on and the screen is shut down. He just wants you in the Word. Come on. Maybe you're like, man, I can't. I'm having a hard time. Maybe your focus in this moment is skewed because you've never practiced this yet. And it's not that difficult. Come on. If you feel that sweet spirit of the Lord, just begin to talk to him he might be trying to get your ear to speak to you to get your attention to get your influence he may be trying to give you direction hallelujah hallelujah hallelujah
let that draw you not out of fear but of relationship out of relationship he's the best thing to happen to you there's no shame you don't have to fear he just wants you to be close to him Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.